Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. But we are in the middle of a series called Nurture. And the series is all about growing up. And that's why we want to talk about our health and our body next week. Because God is not just interested in in your prayers, in all your spiritual stuff. He's actually interested in all of you. The Bible includes so much stuff about all of us. And over this series, we, we do want to cover some stuff that we feel is going to be helpful for you in your journey with God. And in particular, we've been thinking about this concept of how God has got an abundant life for you. Yeah? Who believes that? Uh, A couple of people. Who believes that God has got an abundant life for you? Yeah, great. How many of us are truly living that abundant life? And you would say without anything, without any reservation, I am living a full God life for myself. See, I know that because I, for myself, I know that that this journey that I'm on, that I need help. I'm not really uh, feeling like I'm right in that zone sometimes. And and, and I believe that over the last few weeks, we've covered some really key concepts on how we need to grow up in order to access all that God has got for us. And uh, over the last few weeks, we talked about guarding our heart. We've spoken about comparison. We've spoken about how not to allow your experience and your status uh, define who you are. And today's message is kind of like the oxymoron to the whole series, but it's also the one I'm really excited about because I feel like this message at face value, it kind of goes against everything that we've been talking about to some extent because in our culture that we live in, maturity is often equated with independence. You get me? And I, uh, I remember when I was growing up and people used to talk like that. I don't know, they still do. But it's like when you are 18, you can have your license. That's going to give you independence and show that you have grown up. Our license is kind of like this rite of passage. You know, when you get your first job, it is an ability to earn money so that you can survive by yourself to some degree. And therefore, it buys you independence and therefore maturity. Yeah? Following me? Put it this way, no parent ever wants to have a child and their whole dream is for that child at age 50 to be living at home, needing to be looked after every single moment or every single day. Most parents would confine that type of child raising to the first three months, I would say, uh, of their life where you literally have to look after that kid every single moment of every single day. But when they hit 50 and they're still doing that, you are going to go nuts. In fact, I don't even think you're going to get to 50. You might get to, uh, the, that child might be five years old and is like, I had enough, you need to grow up. You need, I can't be looking after you every single moment of every single day. And so in our culture, and it really does make sense, we raise our kids in order that they are going to be independent, in order that they're going to be able to take responsibility of their lives. But I think we've taken that thought and put it into our spiritual journey with God as well. For us as Christians, we call God Father. We call Him our Heavenly Father. And to some extent, I believe that we've taken that thought that independence and maturity are are kind of the same thing. And we put that into our lives in our spirituality. 
We, we start to think that God wants us to grow up spiritually, and that means that we are meant to be independent from Him. And I believe that this is one of the greatest traps that us as Christians can face. In fact, if you look in church history, what kind of happens is that uh, revival breaks out. Many people find Christ and it's really exciting. But you go on a couple of generations and there's this sense where tradition and practices take over the move of God in that area. And Christianity starts to die out because people start to become independent of God. And in our walk, we need to be careful because there is a trap out there to stop us from growing up spiritually. There is a trap out there that desires to steal from what God has got from us. And, in, and the problem is that we think that the very trap that we are walking in is the very root that will bring us to the fullness of what God has got for us. That the Bible shows us differently. I'm going to be unpacking this uh, through the book of Galatians. You can read the whole book at home. It's only six chapters long, and each chapter is like half a page, not even. It's nice and easy to read. Um, but this whole book was written about this trap. A whole book of the Bible was dedicated to this whole thought of how we are supposed to grow up in Christ. This is a, a, a very clear um, plan that God has given to us to say, you need to grow up. But growing up doesn't look like independence from me. And so we're going to look into it. I'm going to give you a bit of a background. Basically, Paul uh, was an apostle, which means that he went around and he planted lots of churches uh, about 2,000 years ago. And a, a region of churches uh, was planted in, in Galatia. And so what Paul did is that he heard that there was a problem happening in the region. And he wrote a letter to them. And that's why we have the book of Galatians. And he, this is a really interesting book. Because normally Paul writes a bit of a flowery intro. And it's like, grace to you. You are so nice. I love you. God loves you. And God will never let you go. And he goes and all this stuff. But in the book of Galatians, literally... He only spends five verses saying, I'm Paul, I'm writing to you, God's grace be upon you. And he writes this in verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Paul was worried because he saw that the churches in Galatia were turning from the grace of Christ with the gospel that he preached and we're turning to a different gospel, a different message. And basically, uh, the rest of the next few chapters talks about this problem. And I'm going to summarize it for you because you don't have time to read the whole book. You should definitely go home, read it. It's only going to take you half an hour. And, and, and what was going on was that there were two camps that were starting to form. The first camp was the camp that Paul set up himself. He went in there and he preached. And he he preached a gospel of salvation by grace through faith. Now, if you're a Christian today, and if you're on Lift Church, this is what we believe. The gospel came by grace through faith. So what that means is that the gift of salvation is something that God gave to me despite me. I didn't deserve it. I didn't do anything to earn it. And I accessed that gift by faith, by trusting in God. That's as simple as the gospel gets. And that's the gospel that Paul preached to the Galatian churches. <laughs> Salvation came to you by grace through faith. 
But then after Paul left the region to continue on his church planting mission, another group of people known as the Judaizers came into the place and they started to bring another message. They started this message where Paul's message of salvation was inadequate was not enough, was not sufficient. And if you actually wanted salvation, you needed to get circumcised. You needed to have some bits chopped off you. I don't know if this is hitting you. I don't know why people chose this message over the other message. It's like, would you like the free gift or would you like the expensive gift? Would you like to pay for it or would you not like to pay for it? I don't know. In my mind, maybe I'm just Chinese and I like the free gift. I'm on that side. But these people, they were getting, um, they were getting caught up in this message that salvation by grace through faith is not enough. And that you need to do something to be able to continue to stand in that salvation. This was a different gospel uh, that was being presented to them. And many people were turning from the original gospel. And what Paul writes about this in the rest of Galatians is that there is this tension in our lives between grace and the law. There's this tension between uh, what God's giving to us and the things that we think we need to do. You see, to put it simply, these two camps of of grace and law, grace is amazing. Let's, Let's talk about law first. Law is all about you. The law is basically consequences of your actions. When a judge hands down a sentence, he's basically determined this is what you've done, and therefore, if you did that, this is the consequences of your action. Make sense? The consequences had very little to do with the judge and everything to do with you. Make sense? And I know judge is like, you know, today I'm feeling happy, I'm feeling gracious, you get let off the hook. No judge is able to do that because of the law that covers this whole process. And therefore, if we are standing in the law, basically all we're saying is that it's all about me and my actions and therefore the consequences of that. Make sense? Okay, so if you steal, you kill, you rob, you lie, you cheat, whatever it is, when you do that, you suffer the consequences because of the law. So the law is all about you, but on the other hand is grace. And grace is the opposite because grace is actually nothing about you. Grace is actually undeserved. Some people say unmerited. You did nothing to deserve this, and therefore it's grace. You can do nothing to earn grace. You can't do anything to unearn grace in that way as well. If God desires to give you this gift, it is a gift that he chooses, and therefore grace is everything about the giver and nothing about you. Make sense? So there's this tension. Is it about God or is it about me? And I believe that many of us are caught in this tension. Is it about God or is it about me? Am I supposed to be trusting in God or is there something that I need to do? And, in, and, and so Paul starts to write into this and, and, and he writes these verses in chapter 3 verse 1 to 6. Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. 
Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? And the Spirit is basically this, that the Spirit comes into our lives and reveals all that Christ has done for us. There is with the Spirit that we understand that Christ has died for my sin and that now I may righteous in God's eyes because of what Jesus has done. And so the Galatians started in the Spirit, but now are being perfected by the flesh. And he goes on to say, Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law? or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. See, Paul's not happy here. He's saying, you foolish Galatians. And he says, who has bewitched you? And when I was looking at this, I was like, amen, brother. I don't want to get circumcised. I'm glad that 2,000 years on, the church has decided that that is not what I need to do. Anyone here glad for that? At least half of you should be. (laughs) You guys don't understand what circumcision is, and I do not want to show you any image of what it looks like. (sighs) But at the same time, I was thinking about this. Why did Paul say that you have been bewitched? See, bewitched is not that someone has casted a spell on you, but basically that they have been persuaded by this new argument. They have been charmed by this argument. And I was like, this must be a pretty strong argument for guys to want to chop off their bits in order to get salvation. There was a pretty strong persuasion in this camp. And as I was thinking about it, our battle today is not against circumcision, but is against the whole thought of my part when it comes to salvation. And I was thinking about my life, and I was thinking about all that I've been through, and I realized that I, for many, many, many years, I stood on this camp. I'm not circumcised, but I stood in this camp, the camp of law, the camp of what am I supposed to do. And I realized that I had a misunderstanding of grace. And this is my misunderstanding of grace. I believe that grace was a one-off handout. I believe that grace was a one-off handout. It was a one-time only offer. And the moment that I check it in, I cash it in, I would no longer have the grace card in my life. And I realize that there might be even some people in this room right now who hasn't fully committed your life to God because you're scared that you're going to do more wrong stuff. And if you cash in this this gift card, this, this grace gift that God has given to you, that you're never going to get it back. That you're, you're not going to be able to handle it. Because after I've checked this in, I'm handing this over and I'm not going to have this anymore. Many of us believe that grace is a one-off handout. And what does this look like for me for many years in my life? I grew up in a Christian home and, I, and my parents are here and, and they brought me to church every week and I loved it. But I also had a few voices in my life that started to tell me stuff uh, that, that formed my idea of grace and my idea of who God was. And this particular person used to tell me, Nate, you're too proud. I'm a really confident guy. You can see that, yeah? Okay, cool. I'm pretty confident. I, I, and I've always kind of been that way. I've always kind of, you know, just 
done whatever I thought to do. And, and this person, this person who was supposed to be ahead of me on the journey, used to say to me, Nate, you're just too proud. And I started to break down that message. I started to break down that message as compared to who I was supposed to be when God saved me, when I cashed in that grace card, I'm broken. And I used to think that if I am too proud, I'm too broken, then God's going to be angry with me. God's going to be disappointed with me. I used to have these thoughts of, is God angry? I mean, I didn't put it in these words. It's something that I recognize now. In those days, I just thought that uh, I didn't know that I was thinking that grace was only a one-off gift. And, and I used to just be thinking, uh, just God's angry with me. You know, he's done so much for me. And now he's angry with me because I can't get myself in order. I just can't get it together. And you know, I, I believe that that's a trick of the enemy. It's a trap. When, when we get this into this place where we start to think these little thoughts, but I recognize now that they're not just my thoughts, but it's what the enemy was trying to make me think. He was saying, God's grace is so amazing. See, the enemy knows that God's grace is amazing. The enemy knows that the story of Jesus Christ cannot be topped by any other story. So he doesn't try to stop you from listening to that story, but he stops you from understanding what grace has done in your life. So he says, God's grace is amazing, but you are disappointing to him. And I started to think, if I'm a Christian, why am I still having lust issues? Why am I still having anger issues? Why am I still having pride issues? Why am I still so broken? If I am broken, that means that I need to work on myself. And I started to put all these laws on my head and on my life, thinking that if I don't fulfill these, God would not like me. I carried these for many years and I recognized that the effect of that was that when I spoke to other people about God, it was from the camp of law. It was from a place where if I need to work so hard to be accepted by Christ, then that person needs to as well. No freedom for you. Come on, come to this side. You need to stop listening to that kind of music. You need to stop dressing in that way. You need to stop talking in that way. You need to stop thinking like that. And I, I grew up in that place. Where over time, I was so burdened and overworked in my sense of what I was supposed to do. That when I realized that God's words for me was, who bewitched you? You started by grace. Why are you ending up in the law? And I realized that I started in grace but ended up in the law because I thought that grace was a one-off handout. If you think about your life right now, how do you think about grace? When you understand God's salvation on your life, how are you seeing it? Are you seeing it as that conversion time? We speak about as conversion, basically, is when you give your heart to God, and in that moment you receive God's grace, and then He washes away your sin, and you're like, thank you for your grace, Many of us leave grace right there. We think that to be spiritually mature, we accept a gift, 
and then we learn how to work it out. It makes sense. It makes sense. I don't judge you for thinking like that because I was in that camp for many years. God's given me grace, but now I need to grow up and I need to learn how to deal with the stuff in my life. If you get caught in that place, all you're going to find is frustration. You're just going to think that God hates you. You're just going to be in a place where you think that you're never going to get anything right. You're going to give up on your faith one day because you're going to think that you can't carry it through. You're going to be in a place where you start to teach a, a, a different gospel to the one that you accepted when you first became a Christian. Paul writes in Galatians 5, and this is where I believe it's the solution to this. And he says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. We receive grace, which is freedom, pays the penalty for our past. It is to set us free. But some of us are then taking that freedom and putting it under a whole bunch of obligations. And by doing that, we are once again under the yoke of slavery. We are no longer free when we are standing on this part of the equation because in this place, we are saying, if I don't do this, the consequences is that God's going to hate me. God's going to be disappointed in me. God's not going to be favoring me anymore. And so we get caught up in this space. But Paul is saying, for freedom, Christ has set us free and do not submit again. You get the choice. Whether you want to walk back into that place again or whether you want to stand in grace, and this is how he continues to explain it. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who, uh, who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who will be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace for through the Spirit by faith we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love and this is a key statement only faith working working I started to see that my mindset that grace is a one-off handout is a false mindset and instead we have this new mindset this freeing mindset that grace is actually a lifelong hand up grace is a lifelong hand up you don't exhaust God's grace you cannot exhaust God's grace you cannot sin one moment, accept his salvation in your life, sin again, and find that you have run out of God's grace for your life. God's grace is a lifelong hand up. It's not a hand out. He doesn't give it to you to cash in whenever you will. He's saying, if you will, step into my hand and I will lift you up. I love that David writes in the Psalms, my God, stoop down. 
to make me great, to lift me up. He didn't say, God gave me grace for me to work the rest of my life out. He said, God made me great. He stooped down. He lifted me up out of the ditch, and he's still there. When we say for freedom Christ has set us free, is that freedom to understand that grace is available for you each and every single day. It is there for you. I love that Paul writes in another book in Romans 8 that he says that in all these things we are more than conquerors. We are conquerors. We are more than conquerors. We are not conquering. We are conquerors. And we are not conquerors because we have managed to subdue ourselves. But we are conquerors because we are partnered with the one who has subdued everything that needs to be subdued. You get what I mean? You're hearing the heart. This is a message of freedom. But this is also a message of growing up. So what does growing up look like when you are in this place? Paul had the same question. Because people are like, if you're just talking about grace all the time, then do you just do whatever you want? And then come crying back to God and say, oh God, I've done wrong. Take me uh, back with you and all that stuff and take me in, wash my sin. See, this is not a message of doing whatever you want. It's a message of saying that if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're no longer your own. He gives you a hand up because you are saying, I'm going to put my life in your hand. You don't take that and jump off because that means that you've never accepted grace. It's a difficult concept to understand because we think in terms of time. We think very linearly. But God sees his grand plan of salvation, his plan of redemption that is still being unfolded for us. We don't fully know what it looks like. And I'm just trying to explain a little bit so that we can live in freedom. What I've learned is that the moment I start thinking, oh no, if I'm just standing on this camp, then I'll always be sinning and I'll be leading people to sin, so I better stand on that side. No, 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 that's sin. That's where the sin is. I'm standing here. But what happens now is this. In 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What we need to realize is that maturity, spiritually speaking, is about recognizing our weaknesses, recognizing our dependence on God. See, what happens is that in our natural mindset, being spiritually mature means that we grow independent of God. We start a thing that is all on me. But the Bible teaches us that spiritual maturity is actually growing in dependence of God. I thought that was clever. <laughs> Maybe not. You want me to say it again? We think that we are meant to grow independent of God. But the truth is we are meant to be growing in dependence on God. It's as simple as it is. And so what this actually looks like in my life is this. When I'm sinning, when I'm 
caught up in temptation, when something is going on, I don't try to work it out. I run to God. When, when, when things are pulling me down and I don't know what to do, instead of trying to work it out, I come to God and I boast on my weaknesses. I say, God, I don't know how to do this. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still a human being. I've got issues. I've got anger. I've got pride. I've got lust. I've got all that stuff still in me. But it's not that God takes that away because that's my humanity. He leaves that humanity in us because he loves us. He gives us a choice for life. But my choice is that I'm going to say, I recognize my weakness. And in fact, as I mature in my life, I find a growing awareness of my weaknesses. I find even more weaknesses. And what I used to be thinking is that how am I getting worse at this? Why does my life look so terrible? But I recognized that it was actually God revealing how much I needed Him. I'm growing in my dependence on God and not growing in my dependence on my flesh. I'm growing in my understanding of my weaknesses so that I can say, God, I need you. God desires to be with you. God desires that your whole life is in His hand and not just for a moment when you receive salvation. Salvation is being outworked in your everyday life. Maybe this last little analogy will help you out. I'm going to bring my friend Chris out again. And my friend Chris is a sheep. I love this sheep. This is the greatest salvation story, I believe. See, Chris's sheep, last year he went, well, no, he was missing for about seven years. That's the guy on the left, the before and after picture. I love this story. I really do. Chris escaped from his owners. And um, what sheep do is that they grow about five kilograms of wool every year. They, they just grow it. It doesn't stop growing. It just grows. And so when they found Chris, he had grown to 84.5 kilograms. They shaved off... 40.5 kilograms of fleece. And using that, they estimate that he was out in the wild for about seven years. And you might think it's funny. I do. You can, you can laugh. Look at, look at that guy. That's amazing. But what happens is that all that fleece is actually detrimental to the, uh, to the, to the sheep. It starts to cover its eyes, so it's actually effectively blind. That the weight is not, his body is not meant to carry that amount of weight. So the sheep is basically carrying as much fleece as his own body weight. And when it rains, wool is extremely absorbent. This sheep was carrying twice his body weight in fleece. Sheep do not know how to get rid of their fleece. They don't. They can't. This poor sheep was constipated because the wool went all the way up its hole. <laughs> That's literally what happens to the sheep. And when we, as human beings, think that we know how to carry our own weight and carry our own weight in the rest of our lives, we start taking on this weight. And, you know, uh, I'm wondering what Chris is thinking, even though he's a sheep, probably he's not thinking much. But, you know, I'm thinking, if he was thinking something, I'm like, man, I'm producing the goods. Yeah? I've got 
40 kilograms. I got my body weight in the stuff that people will pay me for. And then we carry all this weight around. Look at me. I got all this wool. Ah, oh, gangster sheep. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> you got this sheep that's carrying all this weight. And here's a clincher for me. I thought that the guy that got shorn that sheep, he was like, man, this is a good payday. The one sheep, 40 kilograms, like, woohoo. That wool was absolutely useless. It had been out in the wild so long that it was crap wool, literally. It was useless. And this stupid sheep, I'm one of them, was carrying around all this stuff thinking, man, I make myself good. I've done all this stuff so that people can see, look at all that I am. But when God was looking at that sheep, he was saying, you need to get rid of all that stuff. There's nothing that you can do to earn your salvation. There's nothing that you can do to earn my acceptance. There's nothing more that you could do to bring any worth to me. In fact, all that you're carrying is rubbish, is garbage. But when you come to me and you stay with me, that five kilograms of wool that you produce every year that you allow me to take off you, that is the stuff of use. That is the stuff that I can truly use in your life. And some of us are in this place and we've been running from God for so long that you've got to weight on your shoulders you are about to break and God brought you here into this place this morning to let you know that your salvation is by grace through faith it is not of your own work so that no one can boast but uh, you can boast in your weaknesses because when you boast in your weaknesses his power is being made perfect in your life and that's when you're experiencing the lifelong hand up of grace in your life can we get the band up this morning I preach myself happy. If you're not happy, I've been preaching to myself. And during worship this morning, I was like, God is here. And he wants to take weights off people. And I felt in my heart that God was saying, you take your weight off first, Nate. I've done my work, still doing my work. The rest of my life, I'm still giving stuff up to God. But some people here need to live this message out starting now. You're carrying a weight that you shouldn't have been carrying. You've been thinking that God's upset with you. You've been thinking that God's rejected you. You've been thinking that, man, this Christian life is hard. And God's saying to you this morning, my grace is sufficient for you. It wasn't a one-off handout. I've got plenty more coupons if you need to cash them in. But I want to give you a hand up. I want you to know that you've got a position in me that no one can take away. I love that the Bible says, neither height nor depth. Now anything in creation can separate us from the love of Christ. I don't know how many of you are experiencing that love of Christ today. The love of Christ that doesn't let you go. The love of Christ that continues to hold you. Even when you sin, even when you fall, even when you do things that you're ashamed of, Christ is still saying, run to me. I know you're not perfect, but I've already accepted you and my grace is enough for you. If you don't live in this place, you will never get to the place that God wants you to get to. And that's why I say this message is somewhat of an oxymoron. Because the last few weeks I'm telling you, you need to do this and you need to do that. And to some extent we do. But we do that not from a position of law. We do that from a position of grace. That I recognize I can't do this. 
I recognize that in my strength, I can't change this, I can't change this, and I can't change this. But when His grace is sufficient for me, it changes everything. It changes everything. And I really feel in my heart, there are some people here that you feel so distant from God and you're so tired of running that right now you just want to say to God, God, I'm coming back. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.